0: Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Anybody glad to be in church today? Merry Christmas. Woo! Great job. I'd like to welcome all of you watching online. Always great to have you with us. Merry, Merry Christmas to you and your family from ours. My name's Chad. If I haven't got a chance to meet you, you guys are looking fantastic. Today. Man, hope you're ready to eat some this holiday season and enjoy family time. Christmas is a great time to get together and celebrate family, celebrate generosity and giving. And but we understand it also can be a difficult time. It can also be a challenging time. Maybe if it's a time of year where you've lost a loved one this past year, maybe a difficult time for you from that aspect, or it could be family situations. We know that all family situations aren't always good in the holidays, and it's our prayer for you that this holiday season, maybe you take those steps to work out those family relationships. I pray that you work out those issues among family members, maybe you're not getting together or getting along very well, we pray that you'll do that. We also pray that you will catch the gifts that God is throwing your way today. We just finished a series called, Where There's a Will, There's a Way, and so today we're, we're doing what we call a one hit wonder. We're just talking about one message today. We're not starting a series or anything, but the title of my talk today, is the Christmas catch, the Christmas catch. So would you look at your neighbor for me and ask him this simple question, ask them, what are you catching for Christmas? What are you catching for Christmas? Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's enough. I didn't want dialogue. I just wanted you to ask him a question. <laughs> what are you catching for Christmas? You remember I was going through this and coming up with the title of what I was going to talk about, I, I wondered, you know, when I said the Christmas catch and i writing it down, Christmas catch, I realized something that, that when I do, and I, I only think tribute to Southern Illinois and the way I talk, but like, I realized I never say catch. Like I wrote out C-A-T-H and I was like, I say catch. You know like how you spell ketchup, K-E-T-C-H-U, that's how I spell catch, evidently. Because I say like you play pitch and catch instead of pitch and catch. That has nothing to do with the message, but I just want to throw that out that I've got some problems with my enunciation. So if any part of this sermon, you're like, what language is he speaking? I'm just letting you know ahead of time. The Christmas catch. When we talk about, it, we get a lot of things thrown at us during the Christmas season. A lot of things thrown our way, a lot of things going on in this world. And so the Christmas catch is about what are we catching out of it? What's, what's more, most important? I, I wrote down a few things. Is it simply about Christmas shopping or Long checkout lines, maybe Santa Claus or Christmas gifts, uh, Christmas trees with lights, or, or maybe most importantly, it's about Christmas hallmark movies, whatever it may be for you. Uh, what do you. What are you getting out? What are you catching out of the Christmas season? If we're a believer or a follower of Jesus, we believe that Christmas is about Jesus. Some of the kids did a great job of talking about what was Christmas like, or what's, what's Christmas mean, what it's about? And they, they said, "We believe it's about the birth of Jesus. And, so we believe that as well, and we want to talk about that today if you uh, would like to join in with us. And your sermon notes there in your worship guide, you can pull those out if you'd like to follow along, or if you've got your Version Bible app, you can get the sermon notes on there. And every time we open the Bible, we are excited and expecting that God's going to speak to us. We believe he has something to say to us, so every time somebody tells us to open up the Bible, we just get excited about it today. So if you have your Bibles, phone or book... Let's open them up today to Luke chapter two. Woo! Just happy, happy about that. Luke chapter two, we're going to dive into this Christmas story. When you're ready, say, I'm ready. All right, well, I'll wait for the rest of you. Luke chapter two, some of you weren't ready. You're or you just don't want to talk to me. Either way, I'm going to make you, I'm just kidding, I'm not. Luke chapter two, Luke chapter two. I want to start reading in verse one. Here's what it says. And this will be assigned to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel and a mul- uh, with the angel, sorry, a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. I want to pray. Father, I just thank you for the reading of your word. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, to come and just be here in a way that you bring life to it. I pray that you speak to those watching on the internet. I pray that you speak to us right here in the room. That God, this word will change us from the inside out. I pray that truth will abound. And we just pray that every lie of the enemy will be exposed. So we give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody say, amen. Amen. So Luke chapter two, why was Jesus born? We celebrated, we talked about it when they talked about what was important. In the video, the kids said it was about the birth of Jesus. What a great answer, whether you're a hundred years old or two years old. It's about the birth of Jesus. So why was he born? The birth of Jesus. I believe it's much more than just a Christmas story. It's more than a nativity scene with a cute baby and a manger and wise men and shepherds. I I believe it's about more than that. I believe it's about more than what uh, we talk about. When Jesus was born, something significant happened that changed the course of history forever. Not just for Christians, not just for people who call themselves followers of Jesus. It changed the course of history forever. Forever. Here's what I believe happened: Jesus' birth caused a convergence. Now I say convergence. That may be a new term to you. I don't know how many people like the uh, adventure movies, the Marvel comic movies. You know, you got Iron Man, and Thor. Yeah, yeah. Who who doesn't like the Avengers? Well, maybe you don't. That doesn't matter. I'm not calling you out. I'm just saying those who love Jesus really love the Avengers. So anyway, (laughs) there's there's two in a couple of movies. They have something called a convergence. And in this convergence is where there's supposedly, again, I realize this is make-believe, it's not Bible, so don't get offended. I'm not teaching from the Avengers Bible this morning. But there were nine realms to the universe. And in these nine realms, certain times, they would all come into alignment. And so now things could move and transfer easily from one realm to another. There was a convergence an alignment of all the realms so you could move in and out of all those realms. Well, When Jesus came to be born on the earth, there was a convergence. Now, not of nine realms, but of two, of heaven and earth. There was a convergence of those two realms. Those realms came into alignment again. You're like, well, why did they need to come into alignment again? Why did Jesus need to come to be born? Well, in the beginning, let's go back, way back, Genesis, the beginning of your Bible, God created the heavens and the earth. and In the beginning, The creator God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit created a universe and they decided to create an earth. And on this earth, they had animals and plants and all kinds of living creatures, but they wanted more than just an earth. They wanted more than just uh, a realm that they could call a physical earth. They wanted friendship. They wanted relationship. So on the sixth day, God created his masterpiece and his masterpiece was men and women. So this relationship was awesome. You had the God, the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit, all of them in perfect convergence. Heaven and earth were in harmony. They were in sync. I believe it was able to transfer back and forth. It was a great relationship between heaven and earth until mankind decided to choose their own way. Adam and Eve sinned, ate the fruit. We know what it's talk, where, where it talks about that. And from that point, forevermore, sin totally separated the relationship between heaven and earth. Now there was no more convergence, there was separation. Sin had separated us from God. Now there's this huge impasse. We have a God, a Father in heaven, who loves his children, wants to have a relationship with them, but sin is a barrier between them. So what is he gonna do? How can he get it back? Over your Bible, Old Testament, thousands of years, God's trying to use different prophets and people to bridge the back, the, the gap, but nobody could do it. No one could make it right again, no one could bring convergence between heaven and earth. So God said, what's going to happen? They lost the nature of heaven on earth. They didn't have a heavenly nature anymore. They lost it through sin. So God's like, how can they get it back? The only way they can know how good I am and want to have a relationship with me is they need to come to heaven and see what it's like up here. What it's like up here is nothing like what it's down there, but they can't come to heaven because of sin. So they couldn't come to God. So God said, I know what I'm going to do. If they can't come to me, I'm going to go to them. No no man or woman was able to bridge the gap. This bigger problem, this huge impasse between God and man is, is impossible to bridge unless a bigger solution came. So God himself would have to be the one to come to earth. So in the form of Jesus, he took on the form of a man, entered into this world through a virgin, born of a woman, and from that moment when Jesus was born, this is what we're talking about. This is where we catch on in Luke chapter 2. Jesus had been born, and now the heaven's come and declare to the shepherds, say, hey, something special happened today. There was a convergence. Heaven came to earth. You couldn't come to me, so I came to you. You couldn't come see what I'm like, so I'm going to come show you what I'm like. The reason Jesus came to the earth was so that you and I could see what the Father is like. Read your Bible from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and see what Jesus did on the earth. That is the picture of heaven. Sometimes, how many knows that people we say were followers of Jesus, we try and represent Jesus, but how many knows humans will never fully represent Jesus? So before you get mad at God for what people do, be careful that you're not measuring God amongst people. You need to measure against Jesus. So that's what happened. Jesus brought this convergence. So let's look at it. What happens? These two realms We're connected again. Where we find these two realms, look in verse 14. It says, glory to God in the highest, two different realms. In the highest is one, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Two different realms mentioned, in the highest and on earth. Let's look at the first realm. Glory to God in the highest. This tells us where God is. In the highest means the most elevated, the loftiest, the most high above the earth, talking about heaven. Two things about the highest realm I want you to remember. Number one, it's the place where God is. It's the place where God is. Psalm chapter 33 says this, for the Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men from the place of his dwelling, he looks on all the inhabitants of the earth. Can I encourage you with this? God can see where you are. He knows what's going on in your life. He looks from heaven. He sees your circumstances. He is awake. He is alert. He knows what's going on. Whether we think he's doing anything about it or not, you need to know he's looking at you from heaven. Like, well, I don't think he's looking because look what's happening around me. Just because things are happening doesn't mean he's not paying attention. This is where the Father is. He's in heaven. He's looking at us. So now we know that this is the place where God is. Number two, if it's the place where God is, number two, it's the place where we belong. Philippians chapter three, verse 20 says, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Our citizenship is in heaven. We're on the earth, but we're not made for the earth. We're made for eternity with him. So that's why we understand it's about the highest. God is, is saying, hey, this is where I am, but where I am, it's where I want you to be. God's not wanting to keep this distance. He wants to bring us together. Let me give you another scripture for that. John chapter 14, Jesus said this, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in And when I pause, that means I want you to fill in the black. I'm making sure you're paying attention. Do not, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in that way. Come on, somebody. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, so, I would have told you. I'm going there. Check this out. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Here's the first realm. It's where God is and it's where he wants you to be. You need to know that, that he's preparing a place for you. Whether, you're, whether you think you're on your way there or not, he's preparing a place for you. So we know as number one, it's where God is. Number, number two, it's where he wants us to be. Let's look at the, the second realm. The second realm, it says on earth, peace and goodwill toward men. The second realm is the earth. Look what happens in verse 10. The angel came and they spoke to the shepherds in verse 10 and said, the angel said to them, now here, let me give you a backdrop to this. So this is heaven coming to speak to earth, heavenly realm coming to give a message to the earthly realm. What is the message from God to the earth? This is the convergence. What did Jesus do when he came to the earth, heaven came to the earth, and what was the thing that the first realm wanted to say to the second realm? If God could talk to you, and he did, he said, okay, you guys got this weird thinking about me, Old Testament, it's been quiet for 400 years from Malachi to Matthew, and now what's been going on? You guys got all twisted on what I'm like. I want to tell you what it's like in heaven. I want to tell you what my heart is for you. Here's the message from heaven, from the first realm to the second realm. I don't know what you've heard from other people. I know what what you've heard from churches, but right here tells us this is what God is wanting to say to us. Are you ready? Man, that was a great warm up. You come on, you ought to be pumped up about that. Here we go. Here's what he said the angel said to them, Do not be. Ooh, let's try it again. Do not be. Okay. Hey, God says, Don't be afraid. Here's a message from the first round to the second room. Don't be afraid. If you feel afraid, It doesn't, it's not trying to condemn you that, well, I am afraid. Well, God's trying to comfort you on what he wants you to begin to do, begin to believe in him and not be afraid, not be afraid. It doesn't mean you won't feel afraid. Can I encourage somebody? We're all going to feel afraid at times. I feel afraid every time before I get up here and talk. Every time before I get up, I'm like, oh man, I don't know what to say. I don't, know what to do. I don't know Every time I have to go through this psychological deal of, okay, God, I know you're with me, I know you're going to help me." Every, I feel afraid, but the difference in being afraid and feeling afraid, if I would be afraid, I would stay out there and never come up here. It's OK to feel something. Just don't be something. Being something means you yield to it and let it control you. Feel something says, "Oh, right, I know you're there, but I'm still going to move forward. So don't be afraid about, don't be con- condemned about feeling afraid. Just don't be a, No, here it says, don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you. All right, that's all right. right, you, you've got talking to me. You got, don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings. What does good tidings mean? It means good news. God wants to bring good news. Some of you could use some good news. God's bringing good news, He likes to tell good news. Anybody need to hear any good news? I could use some good news. Well, that's what God brings. He brings good news. We need to know that about Him. That's His nature. He wants to bring you good news. We got to expect that when God's talking to me, it's going to be good news. Nothing, not means not in the way that I'm going to agree with everything He says, but He said I'm coming to bring good news, good tidings of, good tidings of, good tidings of. Man, we're going to be followers of Jesus. We need to have some joy. We need to have some joy in our life because this is what the message is from heaven. Here's what I'm bringing from heaven, bringing down here. I'm bringing good news and great joy. What's up? That's what we flow in up in heaven. I'm bringing good news and some great joy down here. Well, we're kind of somber and serious down here, God. Some people, <laughs> yeah. that's me thinking about what I want to say. Hey, sometimes we need to put it, tell our face that, hey, God brings good news and it's a joy to serve Jesus. It's not necessarily a joy in everything that we experience, but what he has for us, the fruits of the spirit, joy is a fruit of the spirit. Again, it's not attached to what I feel, it's attached to what I believe. I believe the Bible says there's going to be great joy in heaven. Not many people have an argument with that. We're like, hey, no tears in our eyes. It's going to be a happy place. It's going to be an exciting place. Everybody wants to go to heaven. What if, what if God wanted what's on heaven to be on earth? What if God wanted a convergence? Jesus said, pray this prayer. He said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hey, he didn't say, hey, we'll just suffer down here until we get to the good stuff. He said, no, 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 pray that my will will come on earth just like it is in heaven. So he says, bringing joy to all people, bringing great great joy, which will be to how many people? Be, Be to all people, be to all people. If there is born to you this day a city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign to you, you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly, after they heard this announcement... There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. So at the first Christmas party, God showed up bringing gifts to declare the intentions of heaven, glory to God in the highest, but on earth, he said the two things I'm going to bring on earth, peace and goodwill. When the angel come to declare things to the earth, he said, I, I want to tell you two things. I want to tell you peace and goodwill. From God to you, I want to tell you today, peace and goodwill. Peace out. <laughs> peace. Peace and goodwill. What did he mean? What do he mean, peace? Did he mean like world peace? Like Miss Universe world peace? Or did he mean like peace in a different way? Let's look what it means. The word peace, there in your notes. Says a state of peace, well-being, tranquility, free from worry. Free from worry. How many could use, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many could use some peace in your life? I, I know we can. I know a lot of people, we can, I can use peace in my life. He said, this is what I come to bring you. I've come to give you peace. Let me give you some scriptures to support that. Psalm 29, verse 11 says this. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. John 14:27. Jesus said these words. Peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give to you. Notice this distinction right here. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Jesus came to bring us peace. He came to bring us wholeness. He came to bring us a sense of completeness. He he came to take worry out of our life. Peace, not that we don't have troubles. I'm talking about peace in the midst of the storm, peace. Not there's no storms kind of peace. I'm talking about even when there's storms in my life, something on the inside of you helps you navigate that. Says I've got the peace of God that's going to rule and guard my heart and my mind. He come to give you peace. The Bible says that he will give you peace, keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. You know sometimes how we get out of peace? Because we get him out of our mind. When our mind is stayed on him, all of a sudden, peace comes on us. You need peace in your life. Guard your mind. What do you let your mind dwell on? There are certain things will rob our peace because we sit and stew over problems we can't control. We'll stew over things with people, and we can't control them. I was talking with an individual just yesterday, and talking about a scenario, things going on, things that were difficult in their life, and talking about these different moving parts and these pieces. And I said, "Dude, I feel you." I feel you, I understand. I said, okay, let me, let me ask you this. Amongst this big conglomerate of issues and people, what's the one thing, what's the one individual that can be controlled in this? They said, uh, um, I guess me. That's right. That's right. You absolutely can control what you're going to do. You can't control what they're going to do, but you can control what you're going to do. We let our peace get robbed by things out of our control. Let our peace be inside of us. Hold your peace. Hold tight to it. People's going to try and pull on it. People's going to try and jerk it. Circumstance is going to try and pull it away. This is going on. You need to worry about that. You need to worry about that. Aren't you worried about that? Why aren't you worrying about that? If you had any sense in your life, you'd be worried about that. I'm worrying for you. (laughs) I'm nervous for you. I I don't know how you can even contain yourself. See, we've got to hold our peace by keeping our mind on him. When everything else tries to steal, say, no, 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 I want want the peace of God. So he's bringing peace to you. Second thing he said he's going to bring, I'm bringing peace and goodwill. Everybody say goodwill. 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 That word goodwill means delightful, fixed intention of good pleasure and favor. He has a fixed intention of good pleasure and favor for you. I'm not talking about candy coated blessings, but here, and I realize you can get in the wrong ditch on this, but you need, and I need to understand that God has goodwill towards men. God's not here. Every time some tragedy happens in the world or some uh, what they call natural disaster, they'll call it an act of God. And they'll say, God's bringing judgment on that city. Flood happens or something, they say, oh, it's an act of God. Trying to paint God like he's angry with the world. I'm telling you, God's not mad at the world. God's not mad at the world. Yeah, well, he's mad at sin. No, he's already paid the price for sin through Jesus. People, religion get mad at sin. God's not mad at sin. Jesus hung on the cross for sin. Your Bible says that Jesus made peace between God and man. There's peace. Why? Because Jesus died for you. That's why. He he said he's already, the Bible says that God reconciled the world to himself through Jesus. It did not say he reconciled the churchy people to him. He reconciled the whole world to him. God's not mad anymore. So he, he releases goodwill. Anybody could use some goodwill in your life? That word goodwill means favor, means favor. The Psalm 512 says, for you, O Lord, will bless the righteous with your favor. You will surround him as with a shield. Yes. God speaking in favor and goodwill. Look what it says here. Goodwill toward men. This is a part that I want to illustrate this morning. Goodwill towards men. How, have you, how many of you ever, on Christmas, I got some props here I want to use. Let me get them back here. All right, all right. Who's ready for some dodgeball? Some of, a couple of you've been dozing off, and I'm going to wake you up right now. It's coming. I can throw some heat. Just kidding. Whenever we do Christmas at uh, one of our places, we do Christmas at. You know, you have, we have people that are called the delivery people, and everybody else sets down their spots. And usually, it's a young. Used to be my job years ago, a couple years ago. But then the young ones go and they get presents from the tree and they come, and they bring them to you and they go back and get others. You, know, I mean, you guys do that? Anybody else? So you got delivery people. Well, when I was a delivery boy, things got a little exciting because I like to, I like to play. So when I was delivering, I would see the name, find them, whoosh, toss them. I like to toss the presents to them. You know, until you saw a certain name, you learn you know, when you're real young, I didn't know the certain people in the family you don't throw to. It's, they just don't have that skill set, that hand-eye coordination. You know, you just don't throw to them. First, first year, I don't know. You're young. So next year, I'm like, okay, so-and-so, Oh, oh Now, I remember last year. Let me hand that to you. There you go. Okay. You know, so I, that's how. I, so you can, you can want, how I many knows this? You can want. Someone to catch something, but that doesn't guarantee they're going to catch it. I remember teaching our kids how to play pitch and catch, or pitch and catch, either one. So I taught them how to play pitch and catch. And you know, when you're first throwing it to them and they're really young, and and you got a glove on their hand, or go, they put their hand up like this. You know, what talking about dads, so they, they go throw it to our moms, and you're, you're playing catch with them, and they like they put their hand like this, and it bounce off, hits them in the face. You know, you're supposed to have your glove up like this and not like this. And they're, they're out here trying to catch it, hit something, and then they start crying. I'm like, don't cry to me. Turn your glove up the right way. Catch the ball. You're an effort. Let's go. Suck it up. I'm just kidding. Sounds harsh, doesn't it? But it's real. It's, uh, <laughs> there's, a little, there's a little bit of truth to that. I'm not sure. I'm, <laughs> <but> <laughs> my kids were looking at me like, <laughs> so, just because I want them to catch it, and I'm tossing it to them, doesn't guarantee they will catch it. So, feel me here. Peace and goodwill towards men. In other words, God's throwing peace and goodwill towards men, but that doesn't guarantee they're going to catch it. Just because you're tossing at someone, doesn't mean they're going to catch it. And there's a lot of factors that can be involved. I want, I want to illustrate this a little bit. Let's see. Chris, could you come up and, uh, Kevin, how about you? Yeah, you guys would be great. You guys would be great. You can have two of those. Kevin. Here you go. I'm just I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm messing with my Eagles fan. So anyway. All right, so here's what happens. Sometimes... Let me, there's, there's some things that you can control and some things you can't control. What I want to talk to you about today in the Christmas catch is that you can control one thing. You can't control what you catch. You can't control what's being thrown at you. Because I'm going to use him as illustration, and just because I was hard on him. Kevin's going to be Jesus and Chris is going to be the devil. Okay. <laughs> See, I made up for that. So Kevin's going to be Jesus, Chris is going to be the devil. So now, Just because, just because someone's throwing something at you, doesn't mean they're the only one throwing something at you. So Jesus is throwing peace and goodwill towards me. And I've got to choose whether I'm going to catch it or not. But the same time that Jesus is throwing peace and goodwill towards you, the devil's throwing anxiety and condemnation towards you. And you and I got to decide which one we're going to catch. We can't stop it from being thrown. We'd like to think we live in a world where only good things are coming my way. <laughs> Wake up. <laughs> it's not gonna be like that. Yeah. There's gonna be times where things are thrown your way either from, from the enemy, from your own thought life can throw things your way. Sometimes the, per, the worst person that's throwing things my way is my own mind. There's no devil, it's nobody else, just my own thoughts. And sometimes it's other people. So it's gonna happen. But just because things are being thrown, sometimes what I've found is we're catching the wrong thing. How many you ever done this? You had something like, uh, you want somebody to catch something. Maybe you've got something all nasty, slimy, and dirty, and somebody's got their back to you, and you want them to catch it. So we used to do this. Now, I got some twisted issues, but just pray for me. We just, we'd pick it up, and we'd start to toss it to them. We'd say, catch, and they turn around, and the first instinct is just to catch it, Right? Until it hits them, ah, that's gross. Well, the the only way you can get them to catch something they don't want is you have to use secrecy or deception. You have to catch them off guard. If they see it coming, they won't catch it. And here's what I believe happens. Sometimes the enemy gets us to catch something that we don't need to catch because we don't see it coming. He uses deception. He uses other people. He uses weakness in our moments. He uses when we're down, when we're discouraged, when we're just flat out tired. And he'll toss us something sometime and we turn around, do, do, we catch it. <laughs> and we know it's not good for us, but we just caught it anyway. Here's another thing that happens. All right, devil, you throw me something. All right, so sometimes we catch things that the enemy is given us other people's given us because we don't know any better. And we get so comfortable with it, we get so used to it. Here's what can happen. Some of you are holding on to something today. That's what I believe God's wanting to help you with. You're holding on to some things you've caught in your life, a hurt, a disappointment, a discouragement, a tragedy, Uh, It could be something done to you, something you've accepted for yourself, something that's outside of your control or something in your control. I don't know what it is, but you're holding on to something. And because you're holding on to that fear, that guilt, that condemnation, that anxiety, that worry, that stress, because you're holding on to it, even if God is throwing peace and goodwill towards you, you can't catch it because you're holding on to something else. God's trying to throw peace to you. He's trying to throw healing to you. Trying to throw restoration to you. But you can't catch what he's throwing because you're holding on so tightly. And God's got two words for you today. Drop it. Drop it like it's hot. You got to get rid of it. Got to get rid of it. You're like, well, it's just not that easy. Well, it's not that hard. It's not difficult. it's simple. Nobody said it was easy. It's simple. We just at some point, if I'm going to catch what God is tossing my way, I have to be able to go throw, throw me some peace. I have to drop anxiety to catch God's peace. I can't hold on to worry, stress and anxiety about a situation and catch peace in that same situation. It won't happen. This is what we try to do. We try and, we try and catch both of them. So, so I'm holding on to my worry and stress. And I need peace. God, throw me some peace. Ah, uh, but I can't let go of this. I can't let go. Do you know what they did to me? Do you know what happened? I'm never going to get over that. It happens. I've had people say that to me. Chad, I'm never going to get over that. Okay, that's your call. But you're going to live like this. And every time God tries to throw something to you, it's gonna bounce right off. The only way if we can catch what God's throwing at us, we gotta drop what we're holding on to. This is what he's wanting to give you. This is what he's wanting to tell you this morning. He said, listen, I wanna give more into your life, but you've gotta be able to drop what you're hanging on to. Now, once you have the peace of God, once you're holding on to what God has you, once you've caught what God has for you, you're, it's, yeah, okay, just make sure they're still participating. (laughs) Keep an eye on them for me, will you? It's hard to get good help. But once you're hanging on, once you're hanging on to the peace of God, you catch God's direction for you. Guess what? It's not over. I'd love to tell you, well, it's over. I caught the peace of God. (laughs) The peace of God guards your heart and your mind. It doesn't mean the devil stops throwing, it just means you stop catching. And you've got to hold on to your peace and your goodwill from God. That way, when, I didn't say if, I said when the enemy tries to throw things your way, you've got something to guard against. So he tries to bring guilt and condemnation. I'm going to hold on to my peace. uh uh-uh, my peace is guarding my heart and my mind. I'm holding on to that peace. You've got to hold on to it. So every time he comes, I'm going to hold on to forgiveness. And I, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to catch bitterness. I'm not going to catch that offense. I'm not going to catch that discouragement. I'm not going to catch that depression. I'm not going to catch fear because I'm holding on to the love of God. Fear, you got to go. I know you're still going to be thrown. Fear is still going to come. Stress is still going to come. Anxiety is still going to come. All these offenses are still going to come. But every time they come, bam, you've got to hold on to what God has told you to hang on to. And that helps repel what the enemy's trying to get you to catch. You see what I'm talking about this morning? Thank you, guys. Put them there. Can you give my helpers a hand? Look at them, boy, they're a great job. Wonderful helpers. So here's, here's the thing that we gotta do. You can't control what's being thrown at you this Christmas, this life, this year, next year, but you absolutely can't control what you catch. Here's how we do it. Here's how we do it. Let me give you a couple of scriptures and then we're gonna pray. James chapter one, verse 21 says, therefore lay aside, Lay aside. Everybody say, drop it. Drop it. Drop Drop all filthiness. Drop all overflow of wickedness. Drop offense. Drop bitterness. Drop unforgiveness. Drop selfishness. Drop pride. Drop that hurt. Drop that insecurity. Drop that fear. Receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. So I've got to drop all of those things i got to drop those things that are not from God, and I've got to receive the implanted word and allow it to save my soul. I've got to receive the word. I've got to catch the word. You know, for you to catch something, you got to be around it. You know, if somebody's contagious, you know, for the first, uh, I don't want to say that. Let me revamp this story. Edit, edit, edit. You know, if you're around kids and somebody's contagious, if you stay around them, there's a chance you're going to catch what they have. We understand that natural and the negative. What if it was also a positive principle that I'm not going to catch? I can't catch the peace and goodwill of God if I'm not around where he's throwing it. If I'm coming to church once every six months, I can't catch the peace and goodwill of God. If I'm never opening my Bible, I'm never going to catch what God's trying to pour into my life. Receive into your heart the implanted word of God. I'm going to catch whatever Twitter's throwing. I'm going to catch whatever Facebook's throwing. I'm going to catch whatever my friends are throwing, what the news is throwing, whatever. But if I'm not around the word of God, I'm never going to receive what's being thrown. You got to be there. You got to catch it by being around it. Receive the word of God then once we receive the word of God look the next scripture I'll give you in first Timothy chapter 6 verse 12 It says fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life To which you were also called and have confessed a good confession in the presence of many witnesses Here's what I want us to do today very simple Christmas catch you can't control What's being thrown at you? None of us can there's some things that have been thrown at me in my life that I wish beyond anything I can express that it wouldn't have been thrown. But I can't control what I catch. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.